Developing Tomorrow's Leaders, is a podcast that is all about educating, supporting, and inspiring the next generation of leaders. Your host, Antoine Thompson, or Coach T, has over 35 years of experience of empowering, inspiring, and enhancing the lives of many young men and women. In this episode, Coach T talks with Giovanna Elias, a personal development, relationships, and communication coach. Here is your host, Coach T. Please help me welcome Giovanna to Developing Tomorrow's Leaders with yours truly, Coach T. How are you today, Giovanna? Amazing. Thank you so much, Antoine, for having me here with you today. I appreciate it. It is. It is our pleasure to have you. Now, I've read in your bio, and, and everybody will get to find out that you've been traveling the world and getting, you know, and meeting people and learning about people in the process. Can you share with us a little some of the places that you've been? Yeah. So I currently actually live in Mexico. I'm originally from Canada, but uh, I'm living right now in Mexico. I've lived before in Italy, in Brazil. I've been around the Middle East, South America, Europe, um, North America. I just... I, Africa too. Just need to see Asia. That's that's missing. <laughs> ah, it's on your to-do list, right? It's, your bucket it, list. It certainly is. I think India might be next. Really? Yeah. Really? I think so. so so what's prompted you to do all this traveling? To oh, start curiosity. Love for people, love for cultures, traditions, humanity, understanding this planet that we live on, and just a huge curiosity and hunger to just understand this big place we call earth a little bit more <laughs> i like that because i feel like that's a really big thing that we've lost uh touch with you know the human connection if you oh, will yeah. like like it says in, in um your title you're a human expert a uh, human connection and communication expert i feel like today's society has disconnected us mm. from the one-on-one -on -one connection and we rely so much on technology and technology does not have feeling it doesn't show compassion empathy and so forth and i think that communication and conversations have become um let's see less powerful really mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and yeah and i i love that you brought up tech because i think tech technology can be used as a tool to bring us together just as it brought me and you together that normally we would not have been, you know, having this podcast if it weren't for the beauty of technology. But I think it also means when we are with each other, being 100% present and, you know, conscious and aware and with each other in the conversation, fully immersed and engaged rather than being distracted by a million and 10 other things that technology can distract us with. <laughs> no, absolutely. And what's interesting that you say that, what are things I started doing, and it's almost been a year. Mm. You know, everybody lives by their phone, right? No matter where they are, their phone is, right? Oh, yeah. Well, when I call it a day, my phone stays in my office. It does not go where, go to bed with me. Good for you. So, And it took me about, yeah, a month. Mm -hmm. And then I, one morning I woke up, I'm like, I've got all about my phone. And I don't wake up because most people wake up and the first thing they want to do is, what did I miss? What did I miss? What did I miss? Yeah. And you allow your you allow technology to take over your life. And I always ask kids, are you using your phone or is your phone using you? <laughs> good question. Very good question. I also like to put it aside and put it on silent. I've turned all my notifications off my phone, um, but I also silence it when I really want to get into workflow. And when I'm having like going out for dinner, for example, or with a group of friends, 
phone's on silent, notifications are off, I'm with you. And if I know that I'm expecting something important to come in, I usually advise the person before, like just so you know, I'm expecting a call or I'll put an alarm on my phone so that I can be fully present with the person until the alarm goes off and then I know I need to switch gears. So it's just little pieces that allow for us to actually connect deeper because I'm showing you, I'm here, I'm with you. I actually care about what you have to say and that's why I'm being fully present. Oh my gosh, Giovanni, you just <laughs> touched on something that I think is so important. You're actually showing respect for other mm. people in mm -hmm. the process. Respect and communication go hand in hand. What a novel concept. Oh, right. Well, and <laughs> I love it. I love how you say it. And it's, you know, it's funny, Antoine, because I just think for myself, like, how would I want to be treated? And would I want to be respected? And for me, care shows up as being fully present with me in the conversation. So if I'm sensing that you're distracted, your mind is somewhere else, you're looking down at your phone, I will actually stop speaking and I will wait until the person looks up at me again. And then I will ask them usually, are, are we okay to continue? But Ooh. that way we bring, I bring a mindfulness to I'm present of you not being present. So when you become present with me again, then we'll continue a conversation and it can be that, done very gently. <laughs> I, I love that approach. I mean, I don't think it's rude. What it is is basically letting the other person know you're being rude and I'm going <laughs> to be, I'm going to just sit back here and wait till I have your undivided attention, Yeah. which I should have had from the beginning. But these are things that have to be practiced. True. Mm -hmm, for sure. 110%. Yeah. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is you have a nine key system. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a keychain. I have keys on. I have no more than four on mine. So I have no idea. My four key system works for me, gets me in the house, gets me in the car, <laughs> and all that good stuff gets me in the garage. But what is your nine key system? Yeah, great question. So this is what I call the connection code. And I've probably spent the last few years just digging deep. And yeah, exactly this and, and doing, you know, deep immersive research into it. And a lot of it came to me as well, channeling meditations. But what it really is, is the nine key system to building deep and meaningful connections with people. And this really embodies effective communication skills emotional intelligence, leadership, and interpersonal relationship skills. So it's, it's really about first, you know, getting clear on what's going on internally within us. Who are we being? How are we showing up? How are we communicating? And then how is that showing up in our relationships from, you know, business with our clients, our employees, our business partner, our teams, all the way to our relationships with family, our friendships, romantic partners and and even complete strangers that now become friends like you and I did. So right. yeah, I, w with, without giving the whole thing away because, well, I mean, we'd be here for like <laughs> days if we talked about all of these nine keys, but um, I would be happy to share, you know, the first three keys with everybody if they wanted to hear them. <laughs> no, please do. No, absolutely. Yeah. So I always like to start off with the first key that I call curiosity. And curiosity, I believe, is so important in terms of first asking ourselves questions and understanding who we are and what's important for us and what we value and what are our boundaries. And if we don't ask ourselves these questions, 
we don't understand what is important for us and what our needs are. And if we don't understand ourselves, we certainly can't communicate that clearly in the relationships that we are in. But the extension of curiosity and the part that I find the most fascinating is getting curious about other people. And I think one of the deepest ways to connect with someone is in showing that you care and showing that you care is by asking them about who they are, who is, what made them who they are today, what led them down the path that they've, you know, they've taken, what is their story? Everybody has a story. And beyond that, I think everybody in this world has something that they can teach us, that we can take away and learn from an element of their life, some sort of lesson. And so I think when we really start asking these questions and peeling back that onion, we can really learn a lot from other people. And I think that's really the way to connect on a much deeper level as well, just simply through asking questions and actively listening to people when they actually share this, you know, these insights with us. I actually just ran into a gentleman last week and I hadn't seen him in six years. Mm. We run into each other at the UPS store, dropping off a package. And so he looks at me and he goes, you know, he's like, I, I, I know you, I know you. I, goes, yeah. I said, yeah, Antoine. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. So we start you know, having our general conversation back and forth. And I say, by the way, how's your daughter? Mm. And he's like, she's, and he, his reaction was, you remembered my daughter. I'm like, yeah, I only met her twice, mm -hmm. but he talked so much about her in our previous conversation before meeting her. Yeah. I remembered that. And I knew that she had, was engaged. And, and I asked, I said, is, is she's married now? Right. And he goes, yeah, she sure is. But I share that based on what you shared, how important it is, but also how much people appreciate the fact that oh, yeah. you listen and that you ask questions. 110%. And you know, I love that you shared that Antoine, because I always say it's not necessarily the big grand things that we're doing that make all the difference in our relationships. I think it's those small incremental details that actually make the big difference. And that those small details, the little things that you're listening to, that you actually bring back to a conversation six years later, that's what shows someone, oh, you actually cared enough to listen, to remember, to ask about it, to genuinely inquire because you actually want to know, like that goes a very, very long way. And I think that's what really builds back to respect and deeper connection. Yeah, no, absolutely. 100 yeah. percent. And again, like I was saying earlier, I think it's one of the elements that's missing in our everyday lives. And because everybody is so caught up in me getting to where I want to go and not realizing that you also can help other people get to where they go by being genuine and authentic with them in your everyday communication, as opposed to um, well, it's even like general salutations. Mm. I don't know about you, but I I read off and I feel that when people speak to me and here in uh, North Carolina, there's a, I guess you could say there's a general response that people give. It's, a, it's meant to be genuine, but it's not because it's used so often. And first it goes like this and say, well, how are you? So I'm fine. Hope you are. Oh. And they say, hope you are. It's, it's supposed to be a genuine thing that's carried over for generations. Yeah. But in today's society, it doesn't have as much uh, meaning. Yeah. It doesn't have to wait. It's just words because it's become habit. It's become habit. And I think we are creatures of habit and not realizing kind of to your point, you know, about being when you're being genuine with people and you genuinely ask questions, 
they know if they're genuine questions yes. or if they're just just general questions just to have conversation. Yeah, you can feel it. You can definitely right. feel it. I love that you said that. Going going even deeper into that, um, I know you said, you know, people can be busy and they're kind of running around and thinking about their own lives. But actually what I found was really interesting in the research that I did on curiosity, brilliant professor by the name of Todd Cashton that speaks a lot about this. He actually showed on a graph the digression of curiosity from childhood to adults. And so what he what he illustrated was that as kids, our level of curiosity is right up here and we're super excited and we're super engaged and we want to know everything and everything's shiny and new. But then it progressively drops as we become teenagers. And that's mostly because teens are afraid of criticism and judgment and they don't want to look stupid and foolish in front of their peers. But then as adults, not only does it go down, it actually concaves. In other words, adults are literally numbing themselves to asking questions. One, because I think adults often assume that they either know everything already or that they should already know everything. And that's why they won't ask. And so there is often a fear piece or a hesitancy piece around asking because of all this internal dialogue that's going on in the adult. Like maybe I should already know that. Maybe I would look stupid if I asked that, whatever else it may be. Or they've just been trained out of asking and they don't even think to do it. And so I think oftentimes, well, we could say, okay, we're busy and running around and a million other things on our mind. I also think there is that, that fear piece, that naturally being blocked and also just not building the habit of being curious. Oh. <laughs> You know what's so interesting about that? And just so people know, we didn't plan this ahead of time, but you're just kind of laying down examples for me to kind of really support what you're talking about. Last week, I had a gentleman on who happens to be an expert in public speaking. Mm. And we were talking about different exercises to work on improving your public speaking. Well, me, I'm like, I want to become a better public speaker because I want to you know, get in front of people and share my message and all that good stuff like that. And I told myself, listen, I don't have guests on just to have them on. I'm here to learn as well. Mm -hmm. So he talked about a couple of examples. I said, well, let's try one. Totally caught him off guard. He's like, you're willing to try an exercise without practicing, you know, whatever. But yeah, people have to see that learning, the learning process is ongoing and you mm -hmm. have to be willing to accept and realize that you don't know everything yes. and that you want to continue to learn. So he put me to an exercise and the exercise was he gave me a word and I have to give a short speech on that word without researching or learning about it beforehand. Okay. It was a great on the spot kind of thing. And he goes, coach, man, you're willing to do it. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I think being, being understanding and realizing that you don't know everything and be willing to learn from others. As they always say, don't be the smartest person in the room because you won't learn anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just it. And you know, it's interesting. The example you just gave Antoine, I wasn't going to dive into this key, but it really reminds me of another key I touch on that I call being fully flexible. And I think when we can walk into any environment with any type of human being and not only adapt, but be open hearted and open minded to what can show up, who can show up, the conversations that can show up, including, you know, people saying, don't talk politics, don't talk sex, don't talk religion, don't talk all these things that are uncomfortable. And I say, why not talk about them? 
but let's talk about them from a fully flexible space, from an open-minded space that says, I'm willing and open to hear you, even though I may not agree with you. And I think those are the kind of conversations we need to be having more than ever today, especially in politics. Oh, you opened a can of worms there. Because <laughs> you really, if you really think about it, the examples you just gave, these are the reasons we don't have genuine conversations because yeah. everyone is afraid and everyone's so opinionated on certain topics that there's it's set in stone. Hey, this is what I believe. I don't want to hear anything else. I'm mm -hmm. not willing to be open-minded to grow and learn, you know, yeah. because everybody has different opinions and different perspectives. I'm open to learn what your position is or opinion on something is. I might actually learn something from it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've seen, there's been a couple of, uh, documentaries on individuals that were in the um, white supremacy groups mm. and they no longer are mm -hmm, because, their yes. eyes, because their eyes were open due to conversations and then being flexible and willing to experience and learn the other side and realizing, Oh my gosh, I've been brainwashed into believing this without yeah. getting the facts. Yeah. And, and call me, call me an idealistic, you know, person or maybe romanticizing things or whatnot. But I really do believe that if humans were to take a moment to tap in and really listen to themselves, we can feel what feels right and what feels wrong. And I don't like to make things right or wrong, but I'm talking more on a, on a very innate sort of intuitive level of you know, I, I think all humans at the end of the day really just want to connect with each other. And I think we've been socialized and conditioned into separating ourselves for one reason or another. But I think when we can tune into that, our, our natural innate self, again, I think we recognize that um, beliefs such as being a part of, you know, the KKK or white supremacy are so unaligned with what it means to be genuinely human. Right. No, and, no. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%. But that's a, a great lead into uh, talk about conflicts and how, you know, we deal with conflicts and a big part of conflicts is in my opinion is, you know, being flexible, open-minded. Yeah. I mean, there's always two sides to every story and it also in, encompasses asking questions and listening yeah. to the answers, not just asking questions to ask them. So you can walk away and go, well, I asked you about that. I asked a question, but did I hear the question? Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting that you bring up conflict because this actually pertains, I mean, all my keys in one way or another do address conflict or conflict management, but um, the second and third, which which are what I call consciousness and clarity really are about getting aware of who you are physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and where you're at in that moment energetically and how that's showing up in your relationships with people in the conversations and dialogue you're having with those people. And the clarity piece is really about getting clear and aligned with, you know, what are your values? What is important to you? And when you're clear on that, then you can express them calmly with other people. So rather than fighting against something that you may not even be clear of what it is, or rather than fighting from a place of, you know, um, this extreme tension, rather than saying, let me step back, let me be aware of how I'm showing up in this space. 
who am I being? And is that the best type of person I could be to overcome these types of conflicts? And so when we get aware of self and how we're showing up and then get clear on what's important for us and what it is that we actually want the solution to be, right? You know, what would be the ideal outcome of this rather than just going in guns a blazing and ready to fight, right? Then with that awareness and that clarity, then we can, that shows up in our communication and that's how we can resolve a lot of the conflicts. I like that. And I actually going to go back to something you mentioned early on, because I think it ties in perfectly here. And it's a big part of, of the work that I do with working with uh, teenagers and mm. their conflicts with parents and things of that yeah. nature. So you're talking about the curiosity, you know, the heightened curiosity the younger kids are and the, as the older they get that curiosity drops mm -hmm. and in conversations i've had with kids the biggest thing is they're not listened to mm -hmm. so going to your point they're afraid to ask questions because they kind of like we were saying about with adults sometimes they feel like they should know and they shouldn't ask and i always tell them the only dumb questions to when you don't ask mm -hmm. but a big part of the conflicts they say they have is the responses they get when they do ask. So parents don't leave the door open mm -hmm. for conversation. So when you hear, because I said so and no, guess what? You grow up hearing no, because I said so, and you never challenge it or you never ask questions about it. And my advice to them is always ask questions. You may not get the answer that you want, yeah. but the fact that you're letting your parents know, hey, I truly understand your, what you said, but I also want to understand why so I can learn from why you don't want me to do something or just a flat out no. Because guess what? I may be in a situation later. I can make my own decision. Yes. Yes. Um, love that you said that. And I would like to also throw it on the parent and say, create an open space for your children. Because if your kids are asking why they may really just want to understand what is the rationale behind your decision making. It may not necessarily be just to challenge you. And I think this often happens with parents that we, you know, parents assume like our children are challenging us. So we just have to shut it down as opposed to saying, let's explore this a little bit deeper. And let me really give you the reasoning behind it. Um, I know I was definitely that teenager. I would say to my mother, why? And she'd say, because I said so. And I would say, no, really, but why? Right. <laughs> I'd be like, just tell me why. Because when I understand why, then I can at least, you know, emotionally connect with you and get where you're coming from. If I don't get where you're coming from, it's hard for me to actually want to listen and follow. So. <laughs> yeah. You sound like my older brother. That's him. He was always questioned. He questioned everything. Mm -hmm. And guess what? it turned out to be the best thing for him because of who he is and the person that he is. It's mm. never changed him, mm. but he learned to gather information by asking questions. 100%. And then, and then and he's an educator too. So yeah, he turned around and get and give it right back. Right. So, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I so I, it. I think that that's so important. And that's a great point. And, and it is a, a give and take. And I think parents have to understand that, we know that you're protectors of your kids. You want nothing but the best for them. Mm -hmm. But you also have to realize that they're going to ultimately be adults one day. And do you want them truly prepared to make decisions, life changing yeah. decisions for themselves? Because you're not always going to be there for them to call and go, hey, mom, dad, hey, this is a situation that I'm in. What should I do? And I've shared before that parents don't realize, too, that their kids share more 
with other authority figures than they know. Mm. And sometimes they do that because of not having those open relationships and allowing those kids to ask those questions. And the parents that do have a great relationship with their kids. 110%. I think it's, I think if anything, I would encourage your kids to be asking why as much as possible, asking all the questions of what, why, when, how I would, I would fully encourage that. And even more than that, I don't think as a parent, you need to, or, or are expected to know everything. I think the moment we feel as parents that we need to know everything then you know ego can often get in the way and i think that shuts us down from connecting with our kid rather than maybe saying let's explore this together or you know let's learn about this together or i may not fully know the answer to this but you know let's figure it out together and i think that also creates opportunity for connection with your kid and and you know showing them like i'm with you on this ride to learning in this life rather than you know i'm the authority figure that needs to know everything and if i don't i'm going to shut you down and tell you no right <laughs> yeah. i was just thinking about a situation that happened about four years ago I was giving a, a basketball lesson to this young lady she was a sophomore in high school and for some reason in between we started talking about school you know, classes and we got them math and I'm terrible at math. I hated mm. math, mm. but we started talking about money and counting money. She goes, Oh, I don't know how to count money. I'm like, what? This is the one thing I remember about money. And I remember how I learned it. I was working at McDonald's. Mm. My first job I ever had, I was a cook and they started training me to work in the front. And I'm like, well, I'm not big on this money thing. And the girl that was training me goes, I'll show you. She showed me like in two minutes and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that makes sense. So we stopped this basketball lesson and I go to the whiteboard and I start teaching this girl how to count money. But and then she got it. She goes, oh, my gosh, this is great. But I shared that with you because of a couple things. One here, she's in high school and, and she doesn't know how to count money. Part of it because technology gives you all the answers so you don't, the critical thinking goes out the window. Yeah. That's one reason. The second is the curriculums have changed so much that the basics aren't being taught. You know, they're mm. bypassing the basics and going to the more advanced stuff because they feel like that's what they're going to need. And this is why, and I bring this all back to communication. Communication is the hearts uh, and the foundation of how we grow relationships. Yes. Right. So that communication, that whole experience strengthened our relationship from a mentor coach situation because she's like, oh, my gosh, I can talk to coach about anything, not just about basketball. Mm -hmm. So she started coming in, asking more, start telling me more about school mm -hmm. and telling me, you know, different things. But I just wanted to kind of share that, that example to show that there, it is truly important that we communicate on so many different levels. Yes. And what I love even more about that example is that it didn't sound to me that in any moment when she approached you, you had judgment on the table. And I no, think no. that is so critical, especially for a teenager, that teens are still so sensitive and they're still building that security within themselves. And so, you know, they're, they're even that much more sensitive, I think, to judgment coming their way. And so, you know, it, it would be very easy for a teen to just assume that they're maybe slow or less or they're not as smart as anyone else because they don't know how to count money. 
But the very fact that you could have a dialogue with her and say, hey, let me show you something easy and fun and simple and, and you'll pick it up right away. That already, one, allows her to feel comfortable, like you said, to keep coming to you and two, be able to learn and keep wanting to learn and not feeling judged for asking questions on her path of learning. You're 100%, 100% right. And going back to another previous guest I had on just recently, uh, Howard Berg, who's actually holds the record, Guinness World Book of Records for the fastest reader. Mm. Well, he teaches kids how to learn. And I bring this up because of what you just said, too. He was a teacher in New York for years, and he stopped teaching because he was chastised for teaching kids how to learn. Principal pulled him aside and asked him what he was doing. He goes, well, I'm teaching kids how to learn. He goes, that's not what you're here for. You're here to teach the curriculum and then kind of go there. He said, that was my last day of teaching. What he does now is he teaches 8, 9, 10, 11, and 90-plus-year-old people not just how to read quick, how to learn. And he's taught kids um, that went from middle school, and one is a Ivy League professor at 22 mm -hmm. years old. 22 oh, wow. years old. Yes. Wow. Okay. So I share that with you. You kind of go back to what I was saying about what schools, how they're how they're set up. Mm -hmm. They're truly not set up to make kids be successful. They just kind of go through a process. And I think that also ties into why kids are so open to ask questions because they're not in an environment that allows them to do that. Here's your lesson. Here's your homework. Get it done. Turn it into me. Here's your next lesson. Do that. Turn it into me. And they yeah. become robots and they don't get to think for themselves. And, and you know, speaking very much to that, you know, I think I really began learning the concept of critical thinking only when I went away to university. And that's when, you know, we were encouraged, be critical thinkers, challenge everything. And this goes back to the curiosity piece. Ask questions about everything and anything you know, regardless of how foolish it may seem or of how much people may, you know, offer backlash at you, it's worth asking these questions and being that critical thinker and going that, you know, that much deeper. And it doesn't amaze me, someone at 22, what was the position they took on, Antoine? It was a professor at Ivy League school. Yeah, and he got his, he graduated high school at 15. He graduated, yes. had his master's at 18. Uh, PhD at 20 yeah. and became a professor. Oh, yeah. And yeah. again, another example, just on yeah. the podcast live, he taught me, he improved my memory in five minutes. And I can't remember anything. He gave me 10 things to remember. And after he ran through the 10, I could remember three. Five minutes later, I could tell you all 10. And today I could still tell you all 10. Mm -hmm. That's how quickly we can yeah. learn. But oh, it's yeah. all about how it's presented to you and yeah. what environment yeah. you're in. 100%. You know, a lot of what you're speaking to reminds me of what I teach in the realm of leadership. And I think this applies to, you know, parents are a form of leader, just as much as even, you know, a business owner leading their team. When when business owners, when parents can step into that leadership role, I think what that really looks like is creating a safe space where people can ask questions, where they can openly communicate where they can dialogue about what's going on, how they're feeling, what they do or don't know, and and you know go those layers deeper. And I think that's how you create a powerful team. The same way that's how you create a powerful ch child. You know, you develop a, a teen into an adult who really does think critically, who really does have that ability then 
to think for themselves in any arena, any environment, any relationship of their life. So, you know, in, in, in simplistic terms, I think any strong leader really does know how to hold space. They know how to um, create the environment for people to be able to open up without judgment on the table and to be able to share. And I think that shows up in parenting just as much as it shows up in business, as much as it does in our romantic relationships. And you just basically summed up being a part of something and knowing you're a part of something and knowing that you have a voice in being part of something keeps people engaged. We're talking about kids. It will keep the kids involved that they know that they have a say in the success and or failure of a project or whatever yes. team they're a part of. And just like in the business world, if a CEO allows all of the subordinate employees to have a voice and to share their opinions, whether he uses them or not, just knowing that you have the freedom to voice your opinion or share something creates an environment that everybody wants to be a part of. And, and that's what we all want to do is be a part of a community, a village, if you will, where you know that your voice matters and that your opinion matters. But we don't we unfortunately we're we are getting further and further away from that with each passing day, in my opinion. And it's unfortunate, but I think if enough people come together like yourself and share your experience and your expertise, we can educate people or re-educate people in the importance of communication and connecting with people. 110%. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more with you. And I think it's so important. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because as I have dug deeper into the research over the years, I, you know, I always started asking from the moment I started traveling over 10 years ago, Antoine, I asked, what is it that fulfills human beings? Like what is at the core of really making us genuinely satisfied, satiated, fulfilled with life? And what, what I intuitively knew and was calling connection, I ended up discovering in, I'm a bit of a neuroscience nerd. So in the, in the neuroscience research, I ended up discovering later that humans need connection. We need quality relationships, which of course embody these effective communication, emotional intelligence, leadership skills, but we need human connection just as much as we need food and water. And yes. that, yeah. And that yeah. when we don't have it, when we don't have it, our body physiologically responds to that same lack the way we would feel a lack of food and water. Um, and it's, and it's fascinating because what the research came to show is that when humans are actually lacking these connections, these healthy relationships, we turn often to food to replace that because it offers the same neurochemical response, these happy hormones in the body that we're looking for. But vice versa, if we're in love, you know, that sort of honeymoon stage, we either will forget to eat or food will taste that much richer. And so this really shows how wired we are to need these healthy, deep, meaningful relationships just as much as we do need food and water. That is quite interesting. That's fascinating. Well, and the reason I say that is, you know, we um, have always been or recently labeled as a country that has the most obese population. Mm, and, what an interesting you know, connection. Right. So when you say that, I'm like, wow. And again, sometimes it's, uh, again, this is where you get an opportunity to learn and understand situations. And so for our listeners, 
you know, there are always opportunities to gain a little bit of something and utilize it in your life to transform. Mm-hmm. You know, in that last part you said just like, oh my gosh. So it makes you start looking at people a little differently when you start, even if you have conversations with them, you start to delve into a little bit more, asking questions. Mm-hmm. And people start kind of sharing with you. What's interesting about that also, and, and I've shared this recently, but it ties so closely to what you just said. I had an experience um, several months ago with a young lady and her mother. Well, it turns out that the daughter was disrespecting the mom and the mom was bringing the daughter in for a lesson. And I'm like, well, hang on a second. Your daughter's disrespecting you. You're going to reward her by bringing her in and allow me to give her a lesson. I said, that doesn't work well. I, that doesn't work good for me because I'm enabling her to continue that same behavior towards you. Yeah. So we kind of sit and had a conversation conversation kind of got um, very serious and both of them had been very emotional, been crying and everything. And there was an underlying reason for all of it. And, what was that? and it was that the single mom, the daughter wanted to see her father, but the mom couldn't afford to send the daughter to see her, uh, send the daughter to see her father. So the daughter was lashing out because she wasn't getting what she wanted. But the part that I wanted to share with you with this was both of the uh, mom and daughter were overweight. And the mom mm-hmm. admitted that part of that was because of the tension, you know, and not being able to. And that's what's her refuge was to feed. And the daughter kind of picked up on that as well. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it's fascinating that you also say this. So part of my background initially when I went to school was in journalism and communications. But I went back to school for holistic medicine. And the idea behind that is to actually look at anything going on in someone's life, any challenge or or problem or block from a physical, mental, emotional and spiritual point of view. And so if one thing is off, it's because there's something else going on. And so if you were to look at the physical body and say, "Okay, you're overweight, then the next automatic step I would say is what's going on emotionally in your life? Because if something is off emotionally, So if the mother is single, she can't afford to take care of her daughter or send her daughter away. She probably feels guilt and shame around all of this, carrying that emotional energy every day, maybe repetitive thoughts of that, feeling so bad about it. And then, of course, stuffing it down with food. And so the moment we address what's really layers deep, which is the emotional aspect, then naturally the weight sheds and pardon the, you know, the the metaphor of the mm-hmm. pun, but it really, literally, it is a weight that sheds off of our body, be it energetic or be it literally physical weight that comes off of us. Yeah, um, yeah. you just yeah. described the exact situation. That's a, that's exactly what that was. And, and that's exactly what the mom said it was. And it's it's unfortunate, but it's, it's so true that you have to connect with the source mm-hmm, of it mm-hmm. all. And even, even analyzing food itself. So, you know, part of when I went to school, we studied nutrition and The fascinating thing about it is even within certain foods, for example, when you have a sweet tooth and you want to eat something really sweet, that is a direct indication that some sort of sweetness is missing in your life. So those are moments when I will tune in. So for example, if I'm having, you know, a day where I'm like, I just really want sugar, I will first stop and I'll say, is this hormonal or is this emotional? And if it's emotional, is it because I didn't get my, you know, my dose of connection that I normally would get or want in a day. And so tuning in and asking ourselves those questions, and this goes back to key number two that I talk about, which is consciousness. 
And when we're really conscious of ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, and energetically, then we can powerfully show up and then be able to, one, have a clear understanding of what's going on internally, but also, like I said, to then be able to communicate that clearly to our, you know, in this case, our kids. And even this mom in this case, she's non-verbally communicating with her daughter that food is the solution and how problematic that is long term if the mom has kind of you know gone off the radar in the sense of you know she's checked out and she's not aware now she's putting practice in is practices in her life that are going to extend over to her daughter that may not necessarily be beneficial for her daughter so of course the more aware we are within ourselves the more we can then beautifully impact other people as well right yeah. And, and with this mom and the daughter, I mean, one of the first things that stuck with me after was, you know, it's obvious that the daughter's um, personality, very introverted, very quiet. Mm -hmm. And you you know why that is because of the influences in high school. I mean, she's mm -hmm. in high school. So you can imagine yeah. with all the body shaming that goes on in high oh. school. And you yeah. can only imagine what that's doing to her confidence level. But, you know, great point. Of, again, I share these examples because it really tie into a lot of what you do. And I knew you'd have some some feedback and some expertise to add to that. We could go for like ever on this. But I want to uh, oh, yeah. kind of ask you about what you're working on now. I know you have a couple of things that are in the pipeline that I'd love for you to share with us. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. So I'm currently in the process of actually building out a retreat it's a five-day retreat that I'm offering. I actually live here down in Mexico right now, like I said. So I'm going to be running this retreat here, Playa del Carmen, Mexico. And we really dig into these nine keys of connection. And, you know, it's just as much learning in theory as it is exercises and activities and bonding and connecting and networking with people. So really excited for this. Anybody that would like to know more, please feel free to reach out to me and I can send you the details. And I also do have my three-month program that I call the Connection Code, where I walk people through, of course, these nine keys. We work as a group as well, meeting up once a week. And then I love to also offer my one-on-ones with my clients. And this is kind of the extension of the program where we can do personal work together. And this is when I think the layers really come off and we can really go deeper as to, you know, what's going on in your life in terms of your, your relationships, of course, be it romantically, be it with your kids, you know, be it in business with your clients or your team. But also, and of course, family, we can't forget about family relationships. Those are always, those are always the key to everything too, right? Mm -hmm. um, but at the core to every solid, healthy relationship is the one we have with ourselves. And so what I like to do with my clients one-on-one -on -one is really unravel that, like I said, from a physical, mental, emotional, and energetic, spiritual background where we really look into, okay, what is taking place? And how is that impacting your relationships? But also, how is that just impacting your overall well-being, your success, your fulfillment in this life? Um, and I always like to say, Antoine, you know, the quality of our lives is based on the quality of our relationships. And of course, that relationship starts with ourselves. So all, all this to say that um, I am offering a five-day retreat. 
I do offer my three month program, which is including group coaching. And then of course I love to do one-on-one -on -one work with my clients as well. So anybody that would love to, you know, get in touch, would love to know more about it. I'd be, I'd be very happy to have even a beautiful um, video chat and, uh, and we can see how I can help. Sounds great. And um, just so everyone knows when they listen to this, all of your contact information will be in the show notes so they can reach out to you and Amazing. schedule a trip to Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> right. But one of the things that I loved about what you said, and it's so true, you can't love anybody until you love yourself. Mm. And you have to be right. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, this concept of self-love for me, Antoine has been one of the things that I've almost like pulled back and resisted on for the longest time. And I think it's because it's such a buzzword today. Like, what does that really mean? What does loving yourself really actually mean? And I remember seeing a girl sitting here on the street one day, funny enough, and she had this sign that said self-love on it. And um, do you want a hug? And I sat down with her and I said, I'm just curious, what does self-love mean to you? Because I've been rattling my brain about what this really means beyond it just being a buzzword in today's day and age. And she said, when there is a removal of judgment and shame towards self, this is when we can really love ourselves. And so, you know, whether, whether that's the definition across the board or not, it definitely resonated with me in the sense of being aware every day when I wake up, how much shame do I allow to come into my personal dialogue with myself? Because that shame certainly does not serve us in any area of our life and in any relationship that we engage in with other people. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. And like I said, every, every word, every, um, phrase has a different meaning to everybody yeah. and it's always how they look at each one of those and it's all about transformations also you know, we mm. talk about different phases of our lives and to your point of pulling back layers which is what you do really well and once you start pulling back layers you get to the heart of everything and mm -hmm. you make people self self-aware yeah. of different aspects of their lives and where they are so i think that uh uh, everybody there's no right or wrong in certain in certain instances it's all about what you believe and what you understand things to mean for instance relationship has a the word friend has a totally different meaning to me than it has to most people primarily mm. to me friends is a phrase that is just used in everyday language and in reality it has a more purposeful meaning mm. to me you know uh, for instance circle of friends i can count on one hand how many friends i have in this world and that's the truth because I value the word that much. It's oh, not wow. just knowing people. I'm acquainted with more people that I'm friends with and I'm fine with that. And it will always be that way because I have a high, uh, a high ceiling for the meaning yeah. of friends. And mm -hmm. those people go back 30, 40 years and they will always be there. I know they will be, mm -hmm. but since that there haven't been people that have matched or equaled come close to what those individuals have meant to me in my life because nobody spent enough time to know who you are. Nobody spends enough time to find out what a friend is. You know, you mm. find out who your friends are at your lowest times in your life. Mm. And, you know, you know, you have your fair weather friends, the people you haven't heard from, but as soon as you start doing something well, people come out of, oh my gosh, I've been saying, yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> you're very cordial, but you're also aware 
Mm-hmm. Where were you before? I've been doing stuff all along. You've been doing stuff all along. Other people have been doing stuff all along. Friendship has a strong meaning for me. And I just share that because yeah. you know, with your information about self-love, friends is another one. And that's a word that just thrown around. Oh, yeah, we're friends. And, uh, I know you, but we're not friends. Yeah. <laughs> so it's I, I, I really like that you mentioned timeline. And um, people also associate connection, I think the same way they associate friendship with a certain period of time. And I would arguably say it's not necessarily how long you've known someone for. I think it's the degree of depth you've gone. How many, once again, going back to these layers, how many layers have you pulled back and unraveled in that period of time? And I I say this just from, you know, having traveled for over a decade, predominantly on my own and having met people sometimes, Antoine, that maybe I would have spent less than a week with them and genuinely felt like they really deeply knew me and understood me on a very soulful level that I could rely on them. I could trust them. I could depend on them. And that while they may have not gone through different experiences with me, they certainly knew of my history and understood it. And I do think there are some relationships like this that are that almost feel like they're from another lifetime. Um, and they're not, they're, like you said, it's not necessarily about the quantity of how many people you're going to find like that. Um, but quality. yeah, certainly. And yeah. so I think you can have quality connections and quality friendships and that not necessarily have to mean that it takes, you know, a decade to get there. Um it, it, these things can happen much quicker, but I think it's, I think once again, it comes down to being clear on, what does friendship really mean to you? And what does connection really mean to you? And what are your values? And are they aligned with that person that's sharing space with you? Perfect yeah. example would be the village of inspiration, which you're a member of. Mm, yeah. That's not a big list, right? Mm, mm. There's yeah, a reason. Yeah. And it goes to your yeah. point. Don't know people over a long period of time, but there's something unique and special about each one of the individuals that makes them a an inspiration and what and it makes them a part of that village of inspiration. It's almost uh, characteristics, special characteristics. Yeah. And there's certain things you just can't hide yes. when you're talking about, you know, when you're talking about an individual, certain things you can't hide. And most people, everybody's perceptive to a degree, but some people are more perceptive than others. Mm-hmm. Person like yourself who studies people as much as you do, you're going to be more perceptive than the average person. True. Yes. So I don't want to say to a fault. It's never to a fault. That's a beautiful gift. But yeah, very much so. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think that that's, that's an example where what you're talking about too is uh, how you define the word friend. But also, I never said that the village administration were friends. They were, they were people of inspiration who mm-hmm. bring value to me. And in turn, I hope that everyone else does the same thing, brings value to who they are as a person but also helped us bring out more of who we are because we're, yeah. we're inspiring one another. And that's the whole purpose. Yeah. And, and I think for me going full circle on this whole interview, it comes back to this piece of respect. Like you mentioned in the very beginning, it sounds like the people you've placed on this list are people you deeply respect and admire. And that's why, you know, you, you've put them in the positioning that you have. Uh, the same goes for your friends you know, it's a different, different level or layer, but an admiration or respect that you also have for them for different reasons. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I appreciate you adding that little tidbit. So one last question for you. 
and that is, would you share with us the individual or individuals that have been most influential in your life and why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Brene Brown and Dr. Joe Dispenza, if you guys are listening to this, feel free to reach out to me. <laughs> um, usually it's like family, friends, but I would say Brene Brown, for anyone that is not familiar with her work, her book specifically called Daring Greatly and her TED Talk on the power of vulnerability entirely changed my life um, just in terms of how to see ourselves and how to see other people. And Dr. Joe Dispenza, his brilliant work in terms of intermingling spirituality with science has really influenced my own work because I very much feel the same way that I do like to cross the two worlds. I like to understand this physical world we live in just as much as I like to work with the energetic world um, and mix in quantum to all of that. But more than anything, Joe's meditations during the, the peak of COVID had me meditating for three hours a day, which is what actually led me to downloading all of this information that came naturally through me. Um, just years and years of all this information coming through me in in my meditations. And that's how I ended up creating the nine, the, um, the nine key system, the connection yeah. code. And I asked that just because everybody has different people that inspire them and, yes. and have put them in positions. And some people say family, some people say mentors and, and other individuals that whose work have inspired their work mm. and uh, allowed them to continue to do their. So I really appreciate it. Well, Giovanna, this has been an absolutely wonderful conversation because that's what I like to call it. Um, truly unscripted, just a matter of picking out, picking your brain on different topics. Mm. And, and I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to share some of the examples. And I think that really truly align with the work that you do and, and, um, and really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you reaching out to me and connecting with me and holding the space for me to share this with everyone. So thank you, Antoine. Uh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. And we will continue to stay in touch because remember, you're a member of the Village of Inspiration. <laughs> Once a member, always a member. <laughs> I got the keys. Yeah. I, no, the I didn't keys. give you a key. I just left you in the room. <laughs> I, I, good point. Good point. Don't add that. Don't add that tenth key. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Uh, well, Kevin, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much, Antoine. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. As always, I'm Coach T. I'm here to educate, support, and inspire the next generation of leaders. Till next episode. If you want your children to be successful in their academics and careers, or if you just want them more confident and build high self-esteem, the CF Success Academy is the place to be. This blueprint for the successful adolescent helps kids develop essential life skills. They need to be successful in both their personal lives and professionally. Visit CoachT'sCorner.com to get started.